Today's guest is Massimo Casagrande, Director of Education at the Instituto Marangoni in Miami. The Institute has 85 years of Italian fashion history that they infuse in their education. We're going to learn why the Institute chose Miami for the first location in the States, how they approach fashion education, about the role of Director of Education, and the future of learning in the fashion industry. Welcome to Miami Global Net Podcast, where we discuss Miami's international relations. We will showcase Miami's international diplomatic and business landscape and get to know the innovative startups calling Miami home. Meet the people behind the organizations that contribute to Miami's commercial and cultural international growth. Massimo, welcome on the show. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Alejandro. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. How's everything with you? All is good. All is good. Looking forward to, to speaking with you today. Holding through the pandemic? Surviving. Surviving. <laughs> Surviving through the pandemic. Kind of get used to it after a while, don't you? <laughs> I don't want to get used to it, but I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> it, just beca- it literally does become the new normal. It's crazy, no? and everything. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, my name is Massimo Casagrande, and I'm the director of education of Instituto Marangoni in Miami. Moved here three years ago. Before that, I was in London for 13 years, where I opened up Instituto Marangoni London. I'm Italian originally, but grew up between Johannesburg and Italy. And then I did my university in Milan. I worked for Versace. I was designing Versace menswear, assistant designer for Versace menswear. Then I did the Versace jeans, kids, and then I moved to London and stayed there for 13 years before coming here. Now I'm focusing on, on, on the academic side, introducing Instituto Marangoni to the United States. But at the same time, I'm still focusing also on sort of, you know, creatively being involved in different aspects of the industry as a mentor, as a panelist, and now as a podcaster. <laughs> That's right. You have your own podcast. I have my own podcast now, yes. I think the lockdown kind of made podcasters out of all of us. We have a voice, so why not sort of share experiences and things? I agree. That's, that's exactly why uh, I'm doing this as well. So what is your podcast name? Let's tell us so that people can find you. Sure. Uh, it's called Textural Anthologies. And what I do is I interview, they're very informal interviews that I do with people that I've met over the past 20 years. Um, so that's someone who I met 20 years ago or could be someone I met yesterday. And it's discussing and talking about creativity, how creativity is used, but not only in creating garments, but also how creativity can help uh, certain situations or certain individuals or certain demographics. Like, for example, I interviewed someone in Brooklyn and he actually works with, with the youth in Brooklyn, the communities there, and he's a photographer. So through his photography, he does all these storytelling. He's a, he's a bit of an um, ethnographer and it's really great to understand it, but he also works you know, there's a little, they all do something which has got philanthropical sort of aspect to it. And that's what I like. You've got all these creative people who are kind of doing something and giving back. And I think the reason why I wanted to do this was because there's so many nice individual stories to tell. And I thought it'd be nice to sort of share it. And, you know, it's always nice to sort of discover something a bit more about your friends. We never seem to know enough about each other, do we? I agree. I think that sometimes when you are, when we are networking or we are in events, we have like this, like, we know of each other. Exactly. But we don't know more than those moments. Exactly. Or, or we know what we see on social media. That too. 
and and that's it you know so it's it's very sort of superficial way of, of knowing someone so i just thought with the podcast it's kind of nice and you know in, in during lockdown we had nothing to do so it, it was nice to catch up with people in other countries and you have this opportunity to communicate and share things and then and i just thought it was great and that instigated this thought and I decided to save these conversations and put them together into a podcast i think you and i have the same idea just different industries absolutely awesome so if you're a creative and you want to know more about fashion and creativity and i think this is a good podcast for you to check yes. out massimo's um, podcast absolutely thank you so i want to ask you a little bit about london i recently went to london last year for my first okay. time and it was great i had fun but you lived there 13 years 13 years so you you were a local i, I was a local yes People still think I have a British accent, but it's not a British accent. <laughs> I'm not able to pick it up yet. I can't tell you. Yeah, no, he's got it. No, no, no. I think some words come out, but but no, it's definitely not. No, but London was fantastic. I was only meant to be there for one year uh, to open up the school, and then one year turned out to be 13 years. No regrets. I think it was absolutely, absolutely wonderful. It's, it's, it's a lovely city. It's got an amazing energy. You know, it's a bit like Miami. It's a cosmopolitan city in the sense that you have all these cultures, people coming from all different countries and it's, it's a smelting pot. And I think, and I think that's what's nice. And that's what I like about Miami as well, is that you had this opportunity of experiencing and meeting different, different people. You were, were in London opening the Instituto Marangoni. Then you came to Miami. So why Miami? What brought the Institute to Miami? We are a university that was created exactly 85 years ago this year. It was, it was started in 1935 and we have various schools across the world. And we're actually one of the, I think not the only fashion institute that actually has campuses in, in most of the fashion capital. So we've got London, Milan, two in Milan, three actually, Florence, Paris, Shanghai, Shenzhen, Mumbai. And the next stage was, you know, coming to the Americas. And we thought Miami was the city to choose, the correct city, because of a, its strategic location, you know, it's close to, to South America, Latin America, and we actually have a huge alumni base of students who come from Latin America. But also, climate's amazing, first of all, so, you know, that helps. But also, Miami is a city that's over the past couple of years, it's been changing a lot. Uh, you know, the design district is an amazing project that took 15 years to develop, but it's really, really changed the city. Art Basel, Design Miami, there's so much happening and there's lots of international movement coming here. There's lots of people coming to the city. So we just thought it would be a great place for us to actually start our American chapter by starting off in Miami, which is really great. Um, amazing art scene. And again, there's so many people in the three years that I've been here, I've met an amazing group of, of individuals who've actually moved to Miami and you know brought their companies here and are starting to work here. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen, and I really hope it does, and I'm looking forward to it. If it does, the Grand Prix, it's kind of gone quiet, and that was something uh, I was really looking forward to, you know. So I think, like, the fact that Miami, you know, people are looking at Miami to create stuff. I know also Amazon was looking at coming to Miami to sort of open up, I think, its second headquarter. You know, so it definitely has that little, what, je ne sais quoi, that maybe the other cities don't have. And, and, and I kind of like that, you know, there's an amazing energy, there's an amazing light. Miami just felt right for us to start this adventure here. I agree. I think that the network one makes here 
is so interesting, so diverse, so unique. I mean, everybody's out there. In pre-pandemic, of course, you know, people people go out and not only to eat, to party, have fun, but people go out there and network. Like my job was was heavy networking, and that's how we met, right? So it's people go to these events. It could be it could be an expo, it could be a a trade show. It could be just like I went to the Institute because the Italian consulate was doing an event on how Italian design was affecting the future of architecture. Yes, it was. And that's fantastic because that, that's what we do as an institution is we create these cultural events. It's our way of, of giving back to the city as well. And in a way, helping the city grow cultural point of view. You know, we, we want to add on to, to what has happened culturally here. And and we do lots of events. Correct. We met at this event and we had Chad Oppenheim, who's a, a local Miami mm-hmm. architect as well. And, and the talk was also about sustainability, which is something we as a school really focus on a lot is a sustainability. And it's, it's a very, very important issue. And correct. I mean, you in your position, you meet so many international people who have moved here and make Miami their headquarters or they have their offices here. So there definitely is, I think, something special about Miami for everybody to come here. You know, I think it is becoming one of the most important cities in the U.S. Could I read more? So tell us a little bit about the Institute. Sure. So we are a fashion university and we focus on three types of majors. So sort of fashion design, fashion business, and fashion styling. And then we also have a graduate program, which is focusing on fashion and luxury brand management. So what we do is it's a four-year program. We have the associates, and then you can choose what you want to major in. We're an institution that helps the next generation of fashion executives because, you know, nowadays it's not just about designing. There's a whole business to, to fashion as well. So we're helping the next generation prepare for the industry. But as educators, we need to always keep up with the times with what is happening. And, you know, now during the pandemic, there's been a huge shift, a huge change happening within the industry. So we want to prepare our students. You know, we've updated our curricula as well and, and methodologies. Obviously, we've all gone online. So it's, it's, you know, we want to keep the students updated with what is happening in the industry. You know, the, the most important thing as well is all the people who teach at our colleges are practitioners. So they don't just teach. They actually work in the industry, either as designers, as consultants, as uh, working for magazines or businesses. So... I think that's so important from Marangoni because we teach the students what we apply on a daily basis. So the students are actually getting sort of up-to-date experiences and information. So it helps us to make sure that the students have the correct skills when they need to go out into a job and enter the whole employability world. How Marangoni started, it was started in 1935 to create professional individuals with the correct skills to be able to enter the industry and, and work in the industry. And we've been doing that. And I think... We've managed in these 80 years, 85, we've, we've managed to sort of evolve, keep up with the times, keep up with the technologies, but still staying true to what is our DNA because we still do lots of stuff by hand. All the illustrations are done by hand. The pattern cutting is done by hand. The draping, everything is done by hand, but we also have the technological side of it. So I think that is something that we take pride in, in the fact that we, we're teaching this new generation these craft of what is design but we also have the technological skills to go with it. And I think, you know, craft and artisan is something that should never be forgotten. And we need to make sure that the future generations always know about this, you know. So that's one most important thing is of mixing sort of this artisan craftsmanship with technological developments. So what are these teaching methods you guys use? 
So it depends. It can be anything from a live workshop or theoretical classes like seminars. But again, what we do is we work a lot with industry. So we try and have up-to-date cases and projects, you know, case studies to work with. We have a great connection with industry. So sometimes we actually have a brand or a company that comes with us and sets us a project with our students. And the students actually get to work on a real-life brief. And I think that's what's really important because we sort of, I like to think of ourselves as a bridge, you know, the bridge that connects sort of the educational world with, with the business world. So mostly seminars, case studies, guest speakers coming in and hands-on practical stuff when it comes to fashion styling or, or the fashion design uh, programs. When you mentioned the business side, does every person that wants to do a fashion, do they want to own their own brand? Or do they want to work for organizations? So like, what do you what do you find to be with the majority of students? Well, okay, here yeah, everybody wants to own their own brand. <laughs> you know, they come in, they're like, I want to graduate owning my own brand, which I think is it's great. It's fantastic to be able to have a dream and an objective that you want to reach. Uh, my advice is great, go for it. But I always believe I'm old school and I, I went through this and I think you went through it as well. You know, there's a whole, you learn in universities, but then you have to do an internship. You know, I think you need to practice. You need to get that knowledge, which will help you afterwards, you know, getting your school education and your internship and working for another brand. I think it helps you get all the skills, all the knowledge that you need to then be able to set up your own brand. So there's a heavy emphasis in entrepreneurship, in, in business aspect of what you offer to the students. Absolutely. And even, and you know, things have changed a lot. I mean, I graduated in the 90s, so <laughs> I'll let you do the math. But it was very different what I studied to to how I'm studying now. You know, I'm an alumna of Manangoni myself. I forgot to mention, I studied, you know, in, in Manangoni Milan when we only had one campus. But like now, a designer needs to be a business person as well. You know, it's not focusing only on the creativity side. It's about 5% creativity and then 95% business. So even our design students, we do product development with them. We do the whole marketing side. They need to learn about the business because fashion now is such a business. And they need to know that as well. They need to know, you know, you're not just going to design something because you like it. You want to sell it. You want to market. You do want to make a profit. Otherwise, it becomes an expensive hobby. So, you know, there is the whole business side, the entrepreneurial side that we actually teach across all disciplines and across all programs. And that's very fundamental. Obviously, maybe there's different aspects. Maybe we go, if someone's majoring in business, we go a bit more in depth in certain things. But it's, it's imperative and very important that each student understands the business side, regardless of what they're doing. In business, I used to say, because maybe I read it somewhere, but 1%. The idea is 1% of the whole thing. Everything else is execution, dedication, the sacrifice, the, the work, the planning, the initiating. All takes time. takes time. Yeah. You know, from concept to final product, there's so many stages. Mm. And, you know, sometimes it, it, you get students who are like, oh, my God, I never knew. I had to go through so many things to get to the final product, you know. And it is. It's not just making a beautiful drawing. It's then going, okay, what fabric you're going to use, where you're going to have it made. You know, so there's so many aspects. And even the whole production side, it's another business, supply chain, you know. And again, I mentioned sustainability. So it's teaching them and encouraging them. You know, it's, it's what I like to say, uh, aesthetics with ethics. They have to be sustainable in, in, in the approach of doing that. So we teach them that as well. And, and, and when we're talking about sustainability, it's also the fact of I try and encourage my students. So if I'm designing the shirt 
as I'm designing it, I need to know how this is going to have a second life. How would this product be reused? You know, so we're really pushing the whole sustainability aspect. They, they have to understand of how a garment is going to have a second and maybe even a third life. As a director of education, it seems like that is part of your, one of your responsibilities that, you, that you've taken upon yourself to teach and to ensure that happens. The role of the director of education is to create all the academic content. So that means sort of if there's a market for a new type of program is putting it together, creating all the type of content, uh, the literature that goes with it, but also updating what existing content, what it is. It's our role to sort of speak with industry people and sort of understand do they think that there's something missing that we need to add into our curriculum or into our educational system? And it's also liaising with industry to be able to set up projects that students can, can work on, maybe competitions, you know, or arranging people to come and speak, to do seminars. So, it, you know, it's a very complex, it's a very 360 degrees because it's going from lots of networking because we have to meet people, to work with people and introduce them to our school and introduce them to the students and, and creating contact. What's really great about each of our school is we have advisory board members, which are industry people. So in, in Miami, we've got uh, Craig Robbins is our advisory board member. We've got Esteban Cortazar. Uh, you know, so we have, um, we got the, the, the president of, of Perielas. So we've got sort of our advisory board is divided into what is a creative advisory board and a business advisory board. And we always speak with these people and we get ideas. They sort of advise us as well on what they think is missing when someone graduates and they go, you know, to their first job, skills that they think are missing. So talking a lot with them, it helps generate ideas and concepts that maybe I can introduce into existing courses to make sure, again, you know, at the end of the day, for me, what's important is that when a student graduates, they have all the right skills to be successful, um, either working for somebody else or in creating their own brand, if that's what they want to do. But we have to ensure that they have all those skills. We have to make sure. I like saying that we're sort of a factory of dreams. We want to, we want to help them achieve their dreams and make sure that they get to their goal, you know. So you touched on graduate students. I know that it's important to be able to support graduate students, especially nowadays. How does the Institute support their graduate students? So each uh, school, Istituto Marangoni, has a career service department. Upon graduation, the student liaises with the career specialist who helps in finding either internships or, or job opportunities. At the moment, Miami, we've just started. We're in the process of creating a career service department. We don't have one yet because we've only been open for two years, but we will be having one as well. But each school does have a career service which helps students uh, in finding jobs. So again, most, you know, we, we've been around for so long that we have alumni working across all industries, across all countries. And the thing is, you know, it, it's, it's like here as well, you know, you're always attached to your alma mater. So mm -hmm. if you're looking, you know, if students are looking for interns, they, they, they contact us directly. And, you know, and even though students graduate, us as teachers, as instructors, we always have a relationship with them. We always keep in touch. So, you know, Somebody might call me up and say, oh, you know what, Massimo, I'm looking, you know, my company is looking for somebody or I'm looking for somebody. Do you recommend anything? You know, so even through word of mouth and through our alumni, we then, you know, try and find the right person that can then go into the industry or, or to fill the gap that they're looking for. And in a, in a, in a more informal setting, I'm sure that if an alumni, doesn't matter where they are in the world, they can be on LinkedIn applying for a job and then be like, oh, 
somebody for sometimes LinkedIn tells you who else goes, who else works there from any past education. Correct. And then I'm sure it could be a simple, hey, Massimo, I saw that there's this guy working from the Institute. I'm, I'm sure informally that's much that could be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. On the main company's website, we have a whole page dedicated to alumni. We also have a LinkedIn page for the alumni community. When they graduate, they automatically join this group. And it's great for networking because then again, I might be, you know, I graduate and I go back to, to my country, wherever that is. But then I can see within the group who else from Arangoni is maybe in my area, my geographical area, and I can and meet up with them and they can help me with, with some businesses or putting me in contact with some stuff. So it's, it's a great thing. We have a very fantastic network. Who should attend the Institute? For who is it for? For who? I think, I think anybody who has the passion of, of, of wanting to do something creative and uh, who wants to and a creative isn't only in making creative also in the terms of selling you know if we're looking from a business point of view like nowadays we have to be creative also as a businessman how do we sell how do we communicate so i think people who have that passion for fashion i, I hate the rhyme but you know uh, it, it's well, that and you know, <laughs> but it's it's for someone who does have a passion who's somebody who does want to do and work in the creative sector I think it's definitely for them. Someone who has a dream that they want to achieve creatively, it's perfect for us. And like I said, we've got so many disciplines within fashion. Fashion isn't only making a garment. It isn't only putting together a fantastic business plan and structure. It's also communicating, the visual communication. And I remember we spoke about this last time, sort of the, the magazines, you know, how do you communicate different markets so there's so many aspects you know and i think nowadays the possibilities are endless and it's really great because sometimes a student comes thinking they want to do one role in fashion but then they discover that there's so many other other pieces of the puzzle that they can do and maybe they might even be better at than what they expected they could be i think that the options are endless in, in fashion now especially also with again sustainability and all the steps that are going, it's evolving and we're looking for new people to be new key players. So there's lots of opportunities. But I would say the most important thing is, is having that passion, a passion to, to follow your dream. Now, touching on our last conversation, you mentioned that you guys have like a three week. So I don't have to necessarily go through like a whole four years. Well, I don't know how long a fashion career is, but I don't have to go look through a formal process of education. I, I can hit a three week course. You can. Correct. We have different programs. We have this three-week program, which is for anybody who has three weeks available and they want to understand, they want to touch a topic within fashion. You know, so we've got fashion styling, fashion styling and photography. We have fashion business and we have fashion design. We also have uh, during, uh, during Miami Fashion Week, we have another one which is called Fashion Design Cruise Collection, where the students will actually work with a brand in creating a capsule collection. So in these three weeks, we, we give, it's almost like a taster. You get to understand what a bachelor could be like. You know, it's a fully immersive three weeks. Even though it's an introductory level, you still learn a lot. And for example, in the three week of fashion business, you walk away with a business plan for a possible career or job or brand that you want to do but we have the fashion styling which is really really nice and that's understanding how to communicate through photography and through editorials and and that's very important so yeah if you have these three weeks and you want to understand and learn about the fashion industry i would definitely recommend to do these three-week programs 
But it's not only the three-week. We also have um, executive programs. So for people who already work in the industry and they want to update their skills, you know, like myself, I graduated more than, you know, many years ago. But and things have changed. So if I want to understand how is the industry evolved, learning updates on certain things and new technologies, I will do the executive courses. And we have some really great two-week executive courses that, that we are doing for industry people, and they've been really, really successful as well. So, you know, we, we try and cater for different levels within within the community. Perfect. So if I'm an executive, I can get I can update myself in the in the industry. Or if I'm making art or handmade jewelry at home and I wanna really like I'm getting good feedback from my friends, but I wanna I want to get it out there. This will be great. Perfect. Like we, we actually launching, we've just launched today. So I, I can tell you officially, we've got a five week leadership and entrepreneurship course that we're doing. And it's done by um, Ava Hughes, who is our advisory board member and, and, and a great friend, but she used to be the CEO of Condenast Mexico in Latin America. You know, so so we're doing this five week program for executives to you know to understand more about about leadership and about entrepreneurship. And you know, again, things have changed. So how do we update these skills? How can you be a leader? How do you work with a team? How can you manage a team? And how do you you know what are all these entrepreneurial skills that you now need? You know, so this is an exciting program that we're launching. Um, it starts on the tenth of the of November, actually. So that's really interesting. And then we have another two week that we do in partnership with the Latin American Fashion Summit because we are the academic partners of the Latin American Fashion Summit. And with these two weeks, we help people, again, who already work in the industry to understand how can they, you know, if I have an existing brand and I want to change it. And we've, we focused a lot on sort of post-pandemic. What are the new strategies post-pandemic? What do industries and how do industries have to change for this new normal? You know, so so these are two very, very important programs, which I really, really like. And I think, you know, they've, they've been quite successful, especially the two weeks with the Latin American Fashion Summit has been really successful. What is the future of fashion? Good question. I think post-pandemic, there's lots of things that we have to sort of analyze and, and there's lots of things that we need to consider I've spoken about the sustainable side, but it's also understanding a business perspective. I think during the pandemic, we've realized that people wanted to, you know, wanted to communicate more with the brands and brands started doing that. People started doing Instagram lives. Brands became a bit more active on all the social media platforms. They wanted to reach out more to the community. And I think communication is something that is going to be the future of fashion, finding different ways of communicating different, like TikTok took off so much during during the lockdown as well the tiktok version of china they have a whole e-commerce section on there so you can actually purchase from tiktok something that we don't have here you know so staying relevant and also i think what's really important is what brands discovered was the fact that how do you translate something physical into something digital you know and still maintaining sort of the same identity or the same dna and you know slowly slowly they're starting to 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 understand that we need to learn to communicate from 360 degrees. So not just physical store or one platform, but really having different ways of talking. So communication, I find, is, is very important. I think the future of fashion also is craftsmanship and, and artisan. We've, we've found that there's been a rise in craftsmanship in all these crafts, which is fantastic. Also, film is becoming, moving images is becoming important. The fashion weeks have stopped, so they had to find different ways of doing it and we moved on, on to digital. 
So like there's a lot of talk and movement towards audio, visual is very important. So people need to learn to understand how to communicate through fashion and how to express stuff uh, through fashion. And again, you know, I cannot stress enough, something I really, really care about a lot is the sustainability side. So from that sense, it's learning how to make something that is going to last forever, you know, and isn't going to hurt the environment. And, and that is something designers are reconsidering as well, you know, thinking about maybe going seasonless or, you know, and producing less less collections. So there's there's a lot that we have to rediscover in, in, in fashion to reconsider. That makes sense. So I know that we're running out of time and I have one more question for you. Uh, how does the Institute engage the community? Because that's that's how we met. You guys were heavily um, involved with the with the consulate and what other things are you doing like that? So we, we, we host events at, at the building and we have a fantastic building, a seven-story building with this amazing view over the design district. So yes, we host events. Now, obviously with pandemic, we, we, we can't right now, we're doing everything virtual, but we had events where we had in conversations with where we had industry people coming in. So we had Stephen Kolb, the president of the CFDA, he came and, and we had Joanna Ortiz, she came as well. And Ava Hughes was was, was moderating and she was the, the panelist as well. So we invite people to these talks. You know, we, we want to give back to them sort of, as, as I mentioned before, is this cultural side. We want to be a, a cultural hub within Miami. We engage the community because we do different types of events. Uh, we also engage with the community in the sense that we give scholarships, you know, to, to students as well. Especially now with, with the pandemic, we, we've got scholarships that we we want to help students to study. One of my personal projects was working with Andrew Downtown Skate Shop, where I had the, the fortune, the opportunity of meeting Nick Katz, who's the owner of, of the skate shop. And uh, we started chatting and uh, he was saying how he's got these three guys who work for him. And they're sort of in his design team, but they work in his shop, but they've had no skills. They've had no education in, in fashion. So they, they're sort of self-taught by, by watching YouTube videos. So speaking with Nick, we kind of, you know, I like the idea of sort of helping them and do something. So we created the three-week program where the, these kids came, the three of them came. And for three weeks, we taught them how to how to sew, how to do pattern cuttings. And they created their collections. You know, they each did some pants, some jackets and some shirts, you know, and then they could sell it to, in the shops. But it was nice to sort of work with them. And, and they're such amazing kids. They're so nice. Absolutely. You know, I, I love working with them. But it was nice to sort of be able to give back. And to help these kids sort of learn a skill, a craft. And I think that is very important. And it was nice to, to get them. And they were so creative and, and so so nice. But, you know, the only skills that they had were by looking at YouTube videos. Whereas what we wanted to give them was this proper form, you know, proper study on, okay, this is how you take a pattern. This is how you draft it. And, this is, and they were so good. Also, like at sewing, it was, it was impressive. It was really nice. And that is something I like. And, and the Design District magazine actually featured an article about this collaboration of like, what does fashion and skating have in common, you know? And, and it was a nice, it was nice, like, you know, this, this humanitarian thing to do. It was really great. That's awesome. I mean, there, there's yeah. definitely a difference when you are trying to absorb this from YouTube, which is a great source of, of, of information and knowledge. The thing is that there's no structure, right? So I'm exactly. sure what they learned on YouTube going to you to a more formal structure, this is how you should probably think about it, then I'm, I'm sure they made the connection. And it's, it's uh, for me, at least, it's refreshing. When I was learning how to do a podcast, I was all over the place. But then, oh, exactly. I, then I 
got a little course and it was like, ah, okay, this is the process. So I'm sure they appreciated that and they learned Absolutely. a lot. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. No, welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was fun talking to you. Same, same. So guys, keep in mind, he, uh, Massimo has his own podcast. It talks about creativity, fashion. So if you're interested, please take a listen and uh, leave some information in the show notes. And uh, Massimo, once again, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Have a great week.